politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and forgotten, scorned, peaceful, law-abiding Americans to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, only source of independent conservative news back in the house. For those of you who love your truths, served 100 proof. No obfuscation, no softening of the message. And folks, you know, it was an honor yesterday. A lot of people messaged me that Rush Limbaugh mentioned conservative review. He read an article from from me and said, these are solid, reliable, incorruptible conservatives. Um, look, I'm glad Rush is reading our, our message and, and understands. Clearly, he, he has read other stuff if he said that this is such a good website we have. So my hope is he and his colleagues will continue reading it and really open up their independent uh, reservoirs of their mind. Because, boy, do we need that now. We need a great, independent American party. You look at the Republican Party now. They are literally being advised by BLM, Blood Libels Matter. You have an anarchist, terrorist, radical organization that is more radical than even the Democrats were until a few years ago, that is now the mindset of the Republican Party. They tell them what the premise is, what their focus is, and Republicans clamor. They, I mean, they spent years worth of time without introducing legislation to deal with sanctuary cities and crime and criminal aliens. But the minute that the left creates a narrative that the police are the criminals... Misuse one instance out of 375 million interactions to come out with a narrative and a premise that is 180 degrees the opposite. And Republicans go along with it. Republicans go along with it. They say, kneel. Republicans say, how low? They say, wash our feet. Republicans say, how much water? It's truly sad. What is going on here? The truth is, it was sad, but it was also funny, actually. If you look at that picture, you got to see the press conference of the racist uh, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina with McConnell, Cornyn, Shelley Moore Capito, Rhino from Hell, representing a state like West Virginia. Mitch McConnell and maybe one or two other fools were there. Oh, Lanky Langford. Lanky Langford. He was there. They all had masks on their face. <laughs> so sitting there with masks on their face, pandering. I mean, that really is the symbol of the Republican Party. A mask on the face, knelt down, pandering. A lot of people are thinking, well, Danielle, it's not so bad. They're banning lynching and chokeholds. And um, they have some just reports and grant funds. Be- before I get to any specific provisions, I just want to let you know that just the premise is offensive. When you have a narrative, let, let, let me give you an example. Let's talk about our military for a minute. I think all of you agree that our military has become too sissified, too politically correct, too weak on use of force when needed. And let's say you had a case, legitimately, most of them are illegitimate, but legitimately where a soldier went nuts and just started indiscriminately killing civilians. 
and Congress would immediately have a bill to deal with that. Well, Daniel, do you disagree? But the premise is offensive because what is the fundamental problem? Stuff happens in life. But the fundamental problem is that for every one time you could find someone who uses too much force, there's a thousand times they don't use enough force. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to agree to that narrative. Now, obviously, police are not the military, nor do we want them to be like the military. But it's the same principle. This notion how somehow, because of one video of one case that is extremely anomalous, and we really don't have all the details, and the more we find out, it appears to almost have nothing to do with standard policing, to now go and create federal police carrot and stick agenda, that in itself is more offensive than anything else. Because guess what? Had there not been riots, we wouldn't have heard about this. This stuff happens all the time. It happens to whites. Just like there are terrible stories of victims of crime that get killed by repeat violent offenders and we never hear about it any day. This is all about the rioters, the anarchists, the BLM now setting the agenda for the Republican Party. Let let me just show you how deep this is before we go back to Tim Scott and the federal legislation. In Iowa, the Republican governor, this is from Breitbart, John John Binder, Kim Reynolds is set to give voting rights to 60,000 convicted felons in time for the 2020 presidential election after meeting with the Soros-funded ACLU and Black Lives Matter activists. For years, Reynolds has attempted to restore voting rights for felons immediately after they served their prison sentence, but has failed in the state's Republican-controlled legislature. Now Reynolds says she will sign an executive order to to give voting rights to about 60,000 felons to make an end run around a Republican legislature. This is a Republican governor. You know, it's funny. When Democrats embarked on jailbreak, the entire purpose, I mean, Cory Booker is on record saying this, the entire purpose, just like with amnesty for illegal aliens, so with jailbreak for criminals, is to immediately have them voting. And that's why concurrent with jailbreak legislation, you'd always have felon voting legislation. And that's what they were doing in the blue states. And they hope to get Republicans on board jailbreak so that they could eventually reap the benefits of felons voting. Guess what? Republicans are giving it to them for free, just straight up, even in states where they control the legislature. This is what we have as the alternative to the Democrats right now. BLM controls both parties. Republicans will just say, Oh, well, they'll be a little bit more defensive about it. So rather than getting back to the federal legislation, rather than restrictions on police directly, well, they have the chokeholds, which is a straw man. It's just a stupid straw man. All these stick and carrot, carrot and stick programs, like, hey, we'll give you more federal funding if you have body cameras. We'll give you more fe- federal funding for de-escalation training. The entire premise of that is that is giving into the BLM narrative that the police on net are too aggressive. It's not true. I mean, they might be too aggressive in certain cases, but those ain't the cases that Congress is addressing. Let me tell you, like with the enforcing the lockdowns and things like, no, the lemonade stands, that has nothing to do with this. This is the violent hoodlum attacks 
where the police are beleaguered, they're under attack. There's this riveting video of this woman who talked about how she was treated at a McDonald's and everything, the way that people treated her there. I'm thinking like, where is the voice for these people? Where is the voice for law enforcement? 99.9% of them who are selfless put themselves at risk for everyone that is more trigger happy. There's so many more that that are already into the de-escalating. I mean, even if you see this is what Republicans do with with everything. And it's the same thing they do with the sentencing. They wait until the pendulum has already swung back. Like, we're already not locking up people. We've already moved on to jailbreak. And they think, hey, we're locking up. We're, we're too strict. We need a criminal justice reform. Same thing here. Like, we've long passed the time. Like, this is not the smoke-filled rooms in the 1940s and 50s where, you know, the cops kind of, like, were very insular and did what they want. I mean, you have the internal affairs People run the, they become police chiefs now. They're all a bunch of weenies. Cops can't do anything. And you take one example when you have a thousand on the other side, and now you're going to have federal legislation to do this? All these reports that they have to issue now on shootings. An entire commission on um socioeconomic status of black males. I mean, what what is this? Who needs a Republican Party? But but that's what they do. It's like they look conservative because the Democrats are downright literally handcuffing the police. So they'll have a bill that has like funding mechanisms that kind of steer them in a certain direction. But either way, they're agreeing to the premise. There's two schools of thought in society. One is represented to varying degrees by both parties. The other one doesn't have a party. You have people like me, Tucker Carlson maybe, and that's it. And that's this. One side believes that fundamentally crime is not a problem. We were, we were fine in this country. Black inner cities were just fine. The thousands of black lives lost all year, every year from homicide don't exist. It's all the police's fault. Just go after the cops. Cops are the criminals. Prosecutors are the criminals. Prisons are the the problem. Go after that and we'll be good. Then there's the competing view, which is the truth, which is that the more you peddle a false narrative and use one example to create this narrative when police are already too scared to use force, particularly with black criminals, all that does is harm black neighborhoods, creates more black homicides and robberies, rips their communities apart, will eventually harm everyone. It's one or, or, or the other. There's no middle ground on that. Oh, yeah, police are too tough. We need to have de-escalate. No, you're agreeing to that premise. All that's going to do is incentivize them to do more of what they've already started doing, which is going to lead to what you're seeing. 94% increase in homicide in New York City. Houston, L.A., Chicago, reversing a 25-year trend of lower crime. That's all it's going to do. And like I say in my morning column today, now that we are all for federalizing police standards and federalizing everything, then at least federalize victims of crime. At least federalize crime control. Increase mandatory sentencing for gun felons. That will totally trap the left on gun control. Make the mandatory minimums mandatory. 
fix all the court loopholes and career violent criminals getting let out. Allow right to carry for American citizens. I mean, Republicans are so, why are they doing this? Let's face it. There's no altruistic thing like they somehow think there's racism. They know it's crap. They're pandering. They're terrified. So it's politics. There's no greater public opinion poll than people's wallets and pocketbooks. And you look at the gun sales. There is nothing more popular now than right to carry. Imagine if Republicans had a right to carry bill at this time. That's what that that's what a party looks like. And then sanctuary cities where you have courts now saying they can't arrest sex offender illegal aliens at courthouses. I have an article on that today. You know, it's funny. Republicans have this formula in this bill, this Tim Scott racist bill. To. Um, give to, to condition grant funding to more um, body cameras. This is what we've wanted them to do with sanctuary cities, conditioning funding to how much you work with immigration enforcement. For two years, they had control of all three branches and didn't do that. Suddenly, blood libels matter tells them what to do, and they're like, yes, yes, this is what we will do. Folks, the only thing the Republicans do is obfuscate and shield, shield the Democrats from blame. That's all they do. And then they still get called, it will be called weak and not doing enough. So they start the negotiation as nothing on crime, nothing on looters, nothing on rioters, nothing on the war on cops, nothing on self-defense, nothing on sanctuary cities, nothing on repeat violent offenders. All about the police, albeit less than what the Democrats want to do. Then in the House, the Democrats are marking up their bill and they'll split the difference. Why even have a Republican Party? We need a new party yesterday. And guys, I, I, I want to tell you, you know, the narrative that Republicans have right now, the bigger issue is not Floyd, it's one man. When have we ever ripped up a country over one man? Where it's not systemic. The, it's, uh, his own family is saying it was a personal vendetta. We'll see if that's true, but his own family is saying that. It's nothing to do with policing. Why don't we have legislation around David Dorn? Killed by a repeat violent offender who never served his sentence. And then again, the rioting, the disruption, the property destroyed. That is a federal role. Where is Congress? You know, Minneapolis officials now say that 700 buildings have been damaged, burned, or destroyed. Who's that going to harm the most? Which group of people? I'm not into this, but evidently the religious pastime in this country is making everything about a particular race. Well, it's mainly in black neighborhoods. That is a federal role. People forget this is a law that was born out of, you know, it, it, it was passed ages ago. But it's Title um, 10, Section 253 of the U.S. Code that authorizes the president to send out the militia, you know, military, 
to suppress insurrection, domestic violence, and all this stuff. If it, quote, so hinders the execution of the laws of that state and of the United States within the state, that any part or class of its people is deprived of a right, privilege, immunity, or protection named in the Constitution and secured by law, and the, and the constituted authorities of the state are unable, fail, or refuse to protect that right, privilege, or immunity, or to give that protection, or opposes or obstructs the execution of the laws of the United States or impedes the course of justice under those laws. I mean, this is what you're ha- having now. You're having a, This is a reverse Jim Crow. They're not prosecuting the looters. They're allowing them to block streets and interstate highways. They're allowing them to destroy people's businesses, people's lives, businesses, are unprotected. It's going on indefinitely. They're taking over city blocks. They're occupying it. That's an insurrection. It needs to be put down. It's in federal law. That was passed, I believe, in 1870 or so. 1871, it reflected the 14th Amendment. Notice the language. Privileges, immunities. The idea of the 14th Amendment is that if a state violates or is di- disregards the fundamental rights of a citizen, the feds have a right to come in there. Oh, no, Daniel. We're, I'm, I'm a federalist. We need to have state rights. Oh, but, but, but we could have federal feds basically nanny stating the police? Really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. But this is where we are. Republicans are no different from Democrats on this. No different whatsoever. But that's the thing. The president has the power. Insurrection, domestic violence, or an unlawful combination or conspiracies of both of them. It's very simple. What is going on here? Maybe I'll do an article on that because I think people don't know about this enough. It's in federal law. Then again, they don't protect their own federal laws. States are able to engage in insurrection with the sanctuary state. Like, how that could even go on three and a half years into this presidency and nothing is being done about it? Oh, there's nothing I can do. The court said. I mean... You, they, they, they seize the high ground. That's the problem. They agree to the premise of the left. They don't go with the straight and narrow. But this is what we have here. The, the, same, what, the same way the left milked the Floyd video, why aren't we milking the video of that 92-year-old woman? Remember I said on the show yesterday, those of you who heard yesterday's show, episode 660, this is um, 661. So this guy walks around and like basically clotheslines her like, you know, with his arm and knocks her down. She hits her head in a fire hydrant, could have easily died from that at that age in Manhattan. This took place in Manhattan. And I said on the show yesterday, I said, look, I'll bet you anything this guy's a violent repeat offender who is never locked up. It turns out, according to the Washington, uh, the New York Post, this man had 103 arrests since 2005. What is that an average of, you know, 15 years? What is that, like 
five and a half a year. He just had three since March, three assaults. He was a registered sex offender that even after being registered as a sex offender and convicted, was accused of grabbing women and touching them in all you know different places in the, in the subways. He was arrested for sexual abuse and groping of women, public lewdness, harassment, all sorts of punching people. Never serves a day. I wonder if he'll get out of jail without bail because, like I'm telling you, I doubt he'll be charged with first degree. It'll probably be second or third degree assault. And, and, and the thing about it, this is not unusual. I mean, it's pretty crazy with 103 arrests. But unlike Floyd, which, like, when have we ever seen a case of a cop for nine minutes put their knee on the guy's neck long after he's down? He says he can't breathe. this, it happens every single day, the knockouts. And this is another thing. I I have to ask friends who dealt with this legislation, but it has in this Tim Scott bill, anti-lynching. And I said, look, I'm all for anti-lynching, but are they really going to apply it to where it should apply? Because 99% of the group lynching violence is nowadays is usually done by a group of black youth against whites, like we saw in Ocean City, we see most places. This case here was one-on-one, but she was 92 years old. That's how the cowards roll. They, 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 they need like 5 to 10 to 15 of them to beat someone up. Unless they're 92, then maybe they'll do it one-on-one. But I'm all for that. I mean, if we're going to federalize everything about crime, then at least federalize tougher. I'm all for tougher sentencing. But see, here's the thing about lynching. These are the bastards that have... People beat people near death or even to death and they get out of prison for criminal justice reform. To me, I believe you lynch someone, you brutally beat or murder someone. You should get the death penalty. And not after 20 years. So I don't need this anti-lynching legislation, but my fear is it's not going to be applied evenly where it should be. So I haven't yet gone through all the provisions but that's what it is, this, this carrot and stick. Rather than encouraging states to cooperate with federal law enforcement, which is much more of a federal issue, it's totally a federal issue on immigration, at least stick that in there also. At least put stuff for victims of crime also. Make it balanced. But nothing. Why even have a Republican Party? And folks, you want to talk about violence. You want to talk about violence. Let me tell you something. The sanctuary city issue is huge. I mean, I haven't talked about that in a couple months just with everything going on. But there are so many crazy cases with this crazy brutal murder committed by four UACs, people that were resettled in America as refugees from Central America, harbored by Maryland. Hey, lockdown, Larry. I guess it's only law-abiding business owners that you go after. So basically, if you look at New York, for example, so obviously there's a lot of crime there now. They abolished their plainclothes anti-crime unit that has been responsible for the majority of gun violence. But like, here's the thing. 
I, I, I was reminded again, we talked about this when it happened in January, but I was reminded with a 92-year-old woman in New York, I was thinking, well, there was another case of a 92-year-old woman in New York, this woman in Queens, who, by the way, was black. I mean, I you know, black lives don't matter if they're killed by illegal aliens. Maria Furtis, she was found lying dead in the street on January 6th. And she was raped. It turns out that this guy Riaz Khan, a Guyanan illegal alien, was arrested just six weeks prior for assault and criminal possession of a weapon as an illegal alien. He wasn't turned over. He was let out without having to post any bail after his arraignment. Folks, had ICE been at that... So first of all, certainly had New York cooperated, she would have been alive. So that's one level. But then even after they're not cooperating... At least had ICE staked out the courthouse. That's the last line of defense to get these people right before they are released and they disappear. Other countries, violent criminals. We have, I mean, as we well see with the rioting, we certainly have enough of our own. We don't need to add more. Other countries, criminals. You can't have more of a federal public policy issue that is emphatically the province of the federal government and that is absolutely redressable, avoidable, preventable. And now we have a court saying that downright, a federal judge downright saying that they can't stake out the courthouses, which is unbelievable. And there's no need for a legislative fix. There's no clamor. Because those lives don't matter. The only lives that matter to Republicans are the lives that the media and blood lives matter and left-wing anarchist terrorist organizations say so. Those are the only lives that matter to them. The Republican Party is an utter joke. It's every one of them. Every one of those senators is a weenie. The same ones who, by the way, don't understand that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. They were okay with Gore sucks, uh, you know, transgender uh, jurisprudence. I guess that's why they don't understand the difference between a victim and a criminal and and an illegal alien and a citizen. But folks, I want you to understand, as much crime as you have in New York, do you know what a large percentage of, of it is committed by illegal aliens? In fiscal year 2019, If you add up the total detainers that ICE lodged on illegal aliens in New York that have been denied by the city, thereby allowing them to get away. If you added up all the criminal charges of those people just for one year, and this is pretty much the same every year. There was nothing unique about 2019. So this occurs every year. It adds up to 200 homicide charges 500 robberies, 1,000 sexual offenses, 1,000 weapons offenses, 3,500 assaults, and 1,500 DUIs. Those are your habitual criminals of other countries. Every one of those are preventable. You're talking about endless lives that could have been saved. Congress refuses to act. Do you know that New York has been averaging about 300 homicides a year? To have 200 of them, 200 homicide charges. Now, some of them could be from previous years. So I'm not saying it's necessarily out of the, just the 300 denominator. But no matter how you slice that, that's a, that's a big share of that pie. 
committed by foreign nationals. Totally avoidable. Imagine if we had a party. Imagine if we had senators and congressmen that every day pounded the lectern. Every day did interviews with the media on things that we talk about here. Most people are very fickle in their, in their beliefs. They believe what you put out to them. And if the narrative that both parties put out is that the police are racist, that blacks are targeted by police rather than by mainly black offenders and black gang members, then, well, they'll, they'll go along with the stronger version. I mean, which party sounds more emphatic and more robust in their response to it? I mean, you, they, no matter how much Republicans pander, they're never going to sound like the Democrats. Yet people are seeing the mayhem, the disquiet, the looting. And Republicans are going to get blamed for it. It's the worst of all world. Of all worlds, and we're going to all suffer for it with the Democrats. This is why we need to stop accepting no for an answer on starting an, ind- an independent party. The American Independent Party. That's what we need. It's time to declare our independence from the current system. That's what we need. We have two political parties that won't defend life, liberty, and property, won't defend popular sovereignty, jurisdictional sovereignty, individual sovereignty. But at the same time, they promote anarchy. They encourage and legitimize anarchy. They don't do the few jobs of the federal and state governments. And yet what they shouldn't be doing, they do. They have bankrupted us irrevocably to spend on special interests and creating monopolies for the very people that then go and promote this anarchy, by the way, these very corporations. Where do we head? I just want to share with you one other thing on this about how offensive it is for Republicans to even agree to the premise. Well, Daniel, just a little bit. It's just lynchings and and uh, um, chokeholds. It also has a provision there like federalizing a police sexual assault or something. Like, like do, do you think police should be able to sexually assault someone? Like, what, what, the, what the hell are you talking about? Here's why that premise is completely offensive. Okay? In the first half of 2020, 27 police officers have been killed. Okay? That is more people than the number of unarmed suspects killed. 24. And by the way, only seven of them were black. And by the way, most of them, if not all of them except for Floyd, were in the act of being violent and were endangering others, just like we saw with Brooks, which, by the way, to this day, the media still is saying he's the greatest father ever when he was actually running from a conviction on that very issue, cruelty to a child and domestic battery. But anyway... Do you know that the number of unarmed suspects killed by police has actually decreased 41% since 2015? And it's been decreasing 
for a long time. Now, it decreased throughout the 90s and the early 2000s because crime was decreasing. So police interaction with violent people decreased because we had deterrent and punishment. And that's the best of all. It's a win-win. And, and that should be the message of Republicans. Police shootings, which are almost always justified, are a symptom of violent crime. Reduce the violent crime, deter and lock up the career criminals, and guess what? You won't have that problem. But then there's been a decrease since 2015, which is the watershed year when this started with BLM. Not because crime has been going down, because actually since then it's turned up because of BLM. Think about, think, think about how many black lives have been lost because of BLM in Chicago and places like that. It's unbelievable. It's Orwellian. But anyway, gone down 41%. That is not a good thing. Most people you know, are celebrating that. That's not something to be celebrated. I mean, actually, we, the, the political class, including Republicans, won't even recognize that. You would think police shootings are at an all-time high. They're actually at an all-time low. And that's not a good thing. I mean, it would be great if it would be zero, but it would be great if violent crime was at zero. If they're out beating people up and shooting at people in the streets, if they don't get shot, that means other people will. And that's what's going to happen here. They're just going to do hands-off now, and more people will get killed. And then they'll blame it on guns and further take away our guns while further letting out gun felons. And Republicans will go along with that. But anyway, this, the number of suspects killed by police has decreased by 41% since 2015. Over the same time, the number of officers killed in duty has increased 17%. So the entire premise of what they're saying, of what is the prevailing fundamental public policy that we need to deal with now, is the exact opposite of what these bastards are saying. What an utter joke. What an utter, utter joke. But that's what Republicans are doing. Folks, this gets back to what I've been saying all along. All along. That with the police, when it comes to the police, there is a certain inherent evil with any use of any police force, whether it's a military or domestic police. When you give people a gun and they have a license to shoot most of the time, you're going to have a very small percentage of problems. But like, what do you, there, there's nothing you can do about that other than deal with those individual situations. It's the same thing as saying we should abolish the military because you have bad apples. Heck, there was a whole epidemic they talked about about sexual assaults in the military. Stuff happens. But the bottom line is, you get the exact opposite. And Republicans valid. Republicans are sitting on a beautiful narrative. This is what kills me. Democrats have a glass jaw on public safety and black lives in particular. And guns. With the gun felons and the career criminals and the gang members that they release. Republicans could punch that in the face. And yet they validated. I mean, do you know that on the day of Parkland, what was it, February 14th, 2017? The day of Parkland. Or 2018, I think. Republicans marked up 
the first version in the Senate Judiciary Committee of the First Step Act. And that original version of that committee, with like five Republicans joining along with the Democrats, like Grassley and Mike Lee and whatever, Tom Tillis, it had a provision to reduce sentencing for federal gun felons. These are the worst of the worst. These are the gang members, Bloods and Crips, Latin Kings, MS-13. That's what Republic. Imagine if Republicans would have said, you guys just did what? You're talking about taking away our guns? So we can't protect ourselves from the gun felons you released? And that was the case of Parkland, Nicholas Cruz. It wasn't about guns. It was about jailbreak. About not locking up violent juveniles at all costs. The Promise Program. And that's what this legislation of Tim Scott is. It's another Promise Program. Basically federalizing the police. That was the whole thing with it. Basically... Don't lock them up. Community policing. It's the same thing. It leads to more death. That was always the Republican position. Now they agree to it. They agree to the Democrat premise. But notice with guns, guns and crime are no different than any other issue. Issues become winning. The difference between a winning and a losing uh, political issue is a hairline. It's how you go about it and how you message it. Are Americans pro-gun or not? It's a complicated question. Generally speaking, Al Gore and Bill Clinton will tell you they got crushed for pushing gun control. You see the, the, the public sales records. People love them. Women in particular are really getting into guns. But if you have a bunch of crime because of jailbreak and they happen to use a gun in their shootings, then people get scared. And if you say they're shooting, 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 we need to do something about guns, well, people are like, well, we need to do something about guns. But if you frame it, no, folks, these guys, this is about jailbreak. They released gun felons. And career criminals caught illegally with a gun, we don't enforce the law against them. And then not only are we letting them out, but when they do their shootings, now you don't have your gun to protect yourself. Well, that's a very different message that the American people are hearing. And it's true here, too. Imagine if we had a Republican Party. That message to the American people. How this will cause police to stand back and thousands of people, particularly blacks, will get killed. Black business owners won't be able to have their shops open in any inner city anymore. Imagine if they saw that. But I mean, this is where the Republican Party is. And it's not unique to Washington. You see that the governor of of Iowa. All you have is a handful of Republicans in a state legislature at a given time in a certain body, which never constitutes a majority, might be good. But then the governor is bad. Or like in Florida, DeSantis is good, but the Republican legislature is horrible. There's nothing to save. It's not like a few Republicans. They're all like this. The party is broken from head to toe. In our lifetime, the only things they have stood for and held the line on, to my knowledge, are guns, crime, and taxes. And the first two actually go together. The entire expansion of concealed carry and gun ownership tripled throughout the 90s coincided with the reduction of crime. I'm not saying it necessarily proves causation, 
but it certainly disproves the opposite. In other words, if you're telling me more guns equals more crime, that's that phenomenon could not have played out that way. Now, Parkland, after that, Republicans have given up on guns. They will never push a single pro-gun bill anymore, and in fact, they're pushing gun control. Crime, they're, they're, they, they are to the left of where even Obama was at this point, certainly when Obama initially got into office. His first term. So all you're left with is one issue, and that's taxes. But as I've said all along, if you're going to be horrible on every other issue, Immigration, crime, guns, values, transgenderism, the homosexual agenda, healthcare, every other fiscal issue, welfare. But on taxes, you're good. It's the worst mix of all. Because what that does is it allows the corporations to then not have to fight the Democrats because the Republicans are shielding them from that one thing they want. And then they turn around and crush us. On every other issue. And on an individual tax level too. Too many people in this country don't pay enough taxes. Now, you might think I've gone crazy. Well, what? Daniel, are you sounding like a liberal? Hear me out. I mean, per the government we have. If we're going to bankrupt ourselves with debt and socialism and redistribution and nanny state government involvement in every part of our life, Plus the cultural Marxism. You know what? I want people to feel the pain then. Like they do in Europe. And maybe they'll react. If I can't get them to see the light, I want them to see the, to feel the pain. But what, what it does is it shields them. And so there's no accountability. There's no blowback. We need to think bigger. We need to declare independence from this two-party system. Then you have the lockdowns. They're pushing that again. Maybe we'll do a show tomorrow or Friday. We'll have a guest on to discuss some of the latest. The New York City contact tracers, this is from Business Insider, have been told not to ask people if they've attended a protest. I mean, that's how sick these people are. You can't negotiate with people like that, that on the one hand believe that the virus is the end all that's going to kill you all. So much so that we need to suspend liberty Oh, except if you riot. That's even more sacred. And by the way, one of the interesting things you're seeing now is that the average median age of those testing positive is much younger. Because again, we're now universally testing at anyone going back to work, anyone doing anything. Before, it was the vulnerable people. And guess what? We're finding out what we knew before. A lot of people had it and are still getting it. And guess what? For the young and the healthy, they're not going to the hospital. Most of them are asymptomatic or very mildly symptomatic. It's proving what we said all along, and they're using it against us. Like, hey, there's more people who have it. Yeah, no kidding. And therefore, it's much less deadly. In other words, what they're trying to do is use like, oh, there's a lot of cases. We're not really getting rid of the cases against us but then implement their original thought of when it was rare and deadly. Well, no. I mean, you can't mix and match. But we sure as heck did not have a Republican alternative position on that. I'm going to be pressuring in the coming days members of the Freedom Caucus to break break away. At least informally. 
separate from this nonsense. Create a new institution. Create new messaging. Speak to the forgotten American that doesn't want this insanity, that wants, this ret- wants a return to normalcy, return to safety, security, ordered liberty. We'll be talking about this more as we approach July 4th this year with a very heavy heart. Where for the first year, we won't really be celebrating liberty. But maybe that's what it will take to get us to fight. So we'll see what pans out with this crazy bill. We got to fight it. Send me uh, your comments, questions, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Sign up at our public Facebook page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. You could also request an invite to our private page, Miniman Speakeasy. Folks, stay armed, stay knowledgeable, and stay safe. Stay safe.